Intended for mature audiences, twenty-one, and over. Lo-fi, and lovely. Kaplowitz Media presents Kaplowitz Radio, which in turn presents this program, Kaplowitz Today. Kaplowitz Today is a daily Monday through Friday show, typically about five to fifteen minutes long per episode. Topics range from trifles to monographs that are usually at least of adjacent interest to imbibers of premium tobacco. Please visit www.kaplowitz.xyz for the full slate of Capitalist Media podcasts, blog posts, and live-slash-on-demand streams. Some products have been provided by companies or clients for the purpose of review. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease, even in non-smokers. September 8, 2021. This Gentle Persons is the day I remember to clip my toenails also. In a thing entitled On Christopher Morley, parenthetically haunted bookshop author and Baker Street Irregulars founding member, Posted Wednesday, September 8, 2021, to Do I have a little more of a lilt in my voice than normal? Than normal? Smoking a Coramadura Robusto, drinking a little bit of coffee with a little bit of milk in it. Again, going to do a little bit of reading. Maybe a lengthier episode than is normal, but uh, we will get going again. Lo-fi, lovely, on Christopher Morley, haunted bookshop author and Baker Street Irregulars founding member bio. Christopher Morley, May. 5, 1890 to March 28, 1957, was born in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, parenthetically, just west of Philly, to a Frank Morley Harvard College mathematics professor, also to a Lillian Janet Bird violinist, as well as a person who most likely nurtured little Christopher's love for literature, poetry, and the arts in general. A good right-brained mama. She was probably intolerable. Her baby boy would, in an appropriate amount of time, become a journalist, novelist, essayist, and poet. A man of letters, as they say. A quadruple threat. In the in-between of all this existed, of course, life. Such as, in 1900, the whole kit, caboodle, and family moved to Baltimore. Six years later, 
Christopher entered into his father's Harford College, then graduated as its valedictorian in 1910. Next up, academically, came three years as a Rhodes Scholar at New College, Oxford, where uh, his focus was his focus of study was modern history. In 1913, with his Oxford studies completed, he took up residence in New York City. He began to write or to be a writer, I imagine, because even then, history degrees were useless. We now drag the timeline together at the realization of what he did become as listed in that opening paragraph of that what he could become or something. Don't know. I just like the occasional center-lined italicized paragraph. It pleases me. He and Helen Booth Fairchild were lawfully wed on June 14, 1914. Together, they would eventually have four children. They first lived in Hempstead and then Queens Village. Then came a move to Pennsylvania, PA. Philadelphia, PA, I should say. A bit of a misread. There's my cursor for some reason is hanging over Philadelphia as well as a speck of ash. Finally, the roving Morleys came to settle at long last, and finally, in uh, Rosalind Estates' New York house, they dubbed Green Escape. Don't like that I said it finally there twice, but I think I might have been being silly. This in 1920. I like naming houses. Reeks of fucking class and Sherlockiana. I christened my previous place of occupancy the shithole. Haven't named my current spot yet. 1936's edition of The Knothole to their property, a cabin in which he wrote for the next and last almost two decades of his life, is pretty much the dream of every writer beyond the other dream of actually having your words published for pay. <clears throat> Unfortunately, and only uh, tenuously related to the previous sentence, Morley suffered a series of strokes in 1951. This forced him into an early retirement of sorts. He retired from his retirement in 57 and has been buried since that time in the Rosslyn Cemetery in Nassau County, New York. Insert image of Christopher Morley, pipe smoker, smoking a pipe. There are many. Contributions to Sherlockiana ever or perhaps the Sherlock Holmes enthusiast, later Sherlockian, uh, Morley was a founding member of the Baker Street Irregulars. The Baker Street Irregulars, BSI, began its life as a branching out of his already existent, somewhat informal group, the Three Hours for Lunch Club, in which, in which met with other luminaries and such to blab about arts and literature. A bit of in in Ray the BSI established in 1934. It is a nonprofit organization with, as of this writing, some invite only 300 members worldwide. It is uh, it as an editorial entity. Uh, BSI publishes the Baker Street Journal, self billed as an irregular. Quarterly of Sherlockiana. This since 1946. Essentially, Morley was. Almost single-handedly, Morley almost essentially Morley almost single-handedly ushered in fandom as we know it today. In this particular instance, we should take that last bit as a good thing. And he also wrote the preface, which I won't read, but I did enclose include in the body of this published post. Uh, in memoriam Sherlock Holmes for the standard omnibus edition of the complete Sherlock Holmes. Um, 
you can read that. Well, I didn't publish it in its entirety. I put in a good chunk of it and then supplied a link to the entirety of it over at SirConanDoyle.com. Pipe Tobacco Homage is Morley penned one of my favorite books, The Haunted Bookshop, although why he killed the dog remains beyond me. As a 1919 follow-up to his two years earlier, Parnassus on Wheels. I feel like that's misspelled, but we'll see. I do have to go over this a little bit. I've been very busy and a bit stressed. Thank you. In this corncob tobacco pipe-centric tale, we are privy to the further adventures of used and just traveling bookseller Roger Mifflin. In his pages, the uh, Corn Cob Club meets regularly, and I'd imagine it to be much like the Three Hours for Lunch Club of my previous mention. The two aforementioned books also uh, began the bibliomystery subgenre of literature. Quote, Mystery fiction has many subgenres, hard-boiled, cozy, police procedural, etc. One particular subgenre of interest to lovers of books is that of the bibliomystery. As the name suggests, bibliomysteries are mysteries which deal in some significant way with books and the world associated with books. That via, end quote, that via biblio.com. I digress. Cornell and Deal, uh, some good whiles back, released its haunted bookshop, Rob Ronowski, Blend of Burley in Virginia, plus Pinch of Perique, homage. Pretty much a classic now, and all I have left of my own tin is uh, the tin. I'd like some more, please. You may read my full review of that tobacco offering via companion reading. The link. List below, thanks. In a lesser ham-fisted nod to Marley, in fact, to Morley, in fact, I'm not certain it is at all, exists the Seattle Pipe Club Plum Pudding. This one, a Balkan blend, uh, offering uh, that everyone seems to like a lot more than I do. I connected to Morley's Plum Pudding of divers ingredients, uh, discreetly blended and seasoned, uh, that in 1921 collection of humorous essays. The funny thing about funny essays is how often they aren't. Alas, I have not read that one yet, and I'm maybe dragging my feet in doing so for no good reason, or at least not one I'll have to digress again away from here. I feel I've bent your eyes long enough. If you're hell-bent on more bending, see the next far more lazily self-serving segment below. Top of that companion reading segment, gentle persons. A link to The Haunted Bookshop by Christopher Morley, a book review Wednesday. July 21, 2021. Must I say spoilers ahead in regards to a book with its 100th birthday in its rear view? Fine. In this sequel to 1917's Parnassus on Wheels, I guess I did get that correct. It looks wrong. Don't know how to say it. 
We again meet up with Roger Mifflin, a used bookseller Brooklynite, a man whose character is developed via a series of mainly book-centric, at times house-kitchen-centric mini-manifesto soliloquies of philosophical lilt. Another way we get to further know the ginger fireplug is an offshoot of those book-related diatribes in which he rattles off book and author after book and author in a charming way which first might require you to take a few steps back. Rain Man territory. But know him well we do. Unless we are the character of a young advertising man named Aubrey Gilbert who... Leaps straight away post-haste into putting Roger in league with the Germans. This rather odd plunge can, I suppose, be written off by Aubrey's distractible infatuation with Roger's new apprentice, one Titiana, Titania, Titania, Titania Chapman, Titania. She's the daughter of a, a very wealthy daddy who makes Parnassus on wheels Roger's dream come true. Only after Roger Dex, Aubrey, and a German pharmacist and assistant chef have their own dreams of killing President Wilson blow up in their faces. The Ad Man and Apprentice live happily ever after, and I don't understand why Bach had to fucking die. The dog. The plot is a page-turner simply done. I've cited the issue I had in Aubrey's personal red herring reach. Also, I wonder if I'd find Roger's elongated thoughts upon thoughts upon thoughts so darn charming if I didn't agree at almost every step as I admired his chimney-smoking corncob pipe puffings. I just like the little weirdo. He's lovably lovely, as is his missus, who tethers him quite well. Of note, the mood set in this, not literally haunted, bookshop is pretty much my own idea of heaven. A more cringy note, which is no fault of Morley's, He's blissfully unaware that the end of World War I leads to the onset of World War II, as uh, this not-so-super-suspenseful suspense novel lives in that in-between period. Uh, I feel as though I may be giving the reader the idea I didn't like this book. This is not true. I did, I did, and I quite did, but also see its flaws in my own, again, bias towards Mr. Mifflin. Uh, I'd give him my favorite clay pipe to sit in on a meeting of his corn cob club. I have this thing Wednesday evenings, but all others I'm free in closing. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Three out of five stars. Also, there is a link in that companion reading to a post Monday. May 10, 2021, Cornell and Deal Haunted Bookshelf, Haunted Bookshop, uh, Pipe Tobacco in Review, Notes, Peanut Brittle, White Peppercorn, Tropical Fruit, A Blended Home in a Front Porch Corn Cob Rocking Chair, Burley with Condiment Leaf Present to Simply Flex said Burley, so yeah, go ahead and like the fuck out of some Burley prior to smoking a bowl of this one, impeccably if not predictably balanced, a bit of an OTC blend kicked up a BAM of a notch, served au natural, cereal grains, a pat of fresh churned butter, white peppercorns coarsely cracked, toast, there it's more of a deeper sensation than mere taste, it structures, drives, sets the stage, 
The sweet, brittle, nuttiness, pale and rich, of lesser fruitiness, tropical syrup, heightens on the finish. That's there in the room as well, a tick mustily. The palate avoids being cloying on the strength of a lemon rind note, marmalade via progression. Burns slowly, coolly. If rushed greedily, will become a cigarette experience. Paced correctly, will never bite and be codger smooth. Fills the bowl with baby powder ash. Nothing fancy, but definitely a cracker barrel in a golden corral world. Makes me want to homespun orate whilst thumbing up and down my suspenders, thick red ones. The final grade is curved toward burly files. A minus. And one final companion bit of reading, bit of companion reading. This just posted yesterday. And it's a little thing I like to call Seattle Pipe Club Plum Pudding Pipe Tobacco in Review. Notes, figs, raisins, roasted orange, beef. Musty, mightily so, gamey, lesserly so, each carrying traces of salt and vinegar. Of course, there's also smoky, woodsy, latakia goodness by the dollop. Dried herbs are maybe potpourri. Spicy kicks from the oriental leaf make me see orange, the color. Uh, citrus notes under that. Roasted oranges make me taste orange, the taste. Uh, quite the range. Uh, fair. There are some hollowed-out edges in a profile. Jagged emptinesses where sweet peppered meat might be. I taste molasses. But that's actually there. Parenthetically, sweet peppered meat. Thanks to Cavendish molasses sprinkle. Uh, thanks to a Cavendish molasses sprinkle addition to uh, their uh, soy sauce umami. Still, something misses here. It seems to not care. Not care. Hmm. Dramatic pause. Or is that a pregnant pause? Pregnant pause. Not care. <clears throat> An almost lethargic medium profile. Skip. You guys. You lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you? Larry. Larry, lollygaggers, skip, lollygaggers, saltier now, mid-bowl, more compost and dark fruitiness, figs, raisins, an emo kid looking out the window on a rainy day, edgy and cool depending on who you ask, but somewhat vacant, the shoegazer blend, quote, shoegaze, Music genre combines ethereal, swirling vocals with layers of distorted, bent, or flanged guitars, creating a wash of sound where no instrument is distinguishable from another, end quote, brackets, or perhaps Sherlock Holmes when he crashes, packs nicely, burns well with a moderate amount of relights, doesn't bite, white ash is purdy. A final note, the finish and room note are absolutely fantastic each. Which just sort of makes the pulls themselves more daydreamy. The finish in particular is all dark fruit and umami-weighted meatiness. Ultimately not my cup of tea, but I don't mind drinking it again and again. I'm not mad, just disappointed? Huh? 
Keep reading for my confusing high grade at the end. What happened here? I feel as though I might be Watson to this blend Sherlock. Does Christopher Morley have anything to do with this? Hat tips to Patrick Cezanne. Vapor Trails, Revisiting Shoegaze. Archive, October 22, 2014. Also, Explore Shoegaze, All Music, 2011. Also, Plum Pudding of Divers... I want to say diverse. Did, did he purposely leave that E off? Ingredients. Uh, discreetly... I really should read the book. Discreetly Blended and Seasoned. Author, Christopher Morley. Final grade, A. Have you Kaplowitzed today? www.kaplowitz.xyz Kaplowitz Media Very Please help support Kaplowitz Media have you capitalized today? Do you find yourself saying yes to that question often? Is it a yes which occurs a couple, maybe few times a week? Is it a daily yes? All capitalist media content is free and will never be placed behind a paywall. So why pay for what's free? Perhaps you want to express your gratitude and or have suffered some sort of massive brain trauma. Succinctly and redundantly. If you appreciate capitalist media, maybe think of throwing a few shekels it's my cap's way. Every little bit helps and is greatly appreciated. Yes, capitalist media has its advertisers, its sponsors, but there is overhead and there are future plans for this joint such as buying groceries next week, better equipment, more stable platforms, a wee bit of travel, or maybe you just want to ensure what is here keeps getting there. I won't ever ask you to join any sort of subscription thing. One-time donations, uh, as can be ably afforded, are absolutely fine and will not lead to me asking you for more ever can't ably afford at this time no worries free ways of supporting are simply sharing posts from capitalist media to your social media profile page and also taking a moment to rate and review capitalist radio on apple podcasts or wherever else you listen thanks so much gentle persons and you can find me at PayPal, at paypal.me slash K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z. Amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one.